looks awesome. Typically, the primetime games are where all the viewers flock to. This week, it's the one and the four o'clock slates. I mean, we have even 51 totals in Jaguars versus Lions. We have a huge matchup between the 49ers and the Dolphins. Obviously, also in that four o'clock window, it's the Bengals and the Chiefs from that awesome playoff performance last week. Today, 14 of our guys ahead of week 13. Our favorite plays. Obviously, Hayden joins me, but maybe most importantly, the bad boy of DFS, Hollywood Al Smizzle. Smiz, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you guys doing? We're great. We're great. Thanks for joining us on this escapade. If I'm mm-hmm. able to use that word. Okay, how we do this, instead of mm-hmm. going really game by game and team by team, we just want to focus in on 15 of our favorite players ahead of, again, this awesome weekend of fantasy football. One reason or another why we like them. And I'm sure there's going to be some overlap here. So since you're the guest, Al, yeah. take it away. Who's up first? So I'm going to go with uh, kind of my sleeperish pick. The rest are pretty obvious. They're very straightforward. I'm going to go with Devontae Smith on Philadelphia, playing against Tennessee. Uh, 30% greater than 30% of the target market share with Goddard out. Nine targets in each of the last two games. And Tennessee is a bit of a pass funnel. They've only allowed over 100 yards rushing for a team Three times this year. Now, Philadelphia might be able to establish a little bit. Obviously, having a running quarterback who runs as much as Jalen Hurts might let that total get above there because now they have basically four guys running with massive volume. But the way that you attack them is through the air. Fantastic matchup on the outside. And Devontae has been the biggest beneficiary with Goddard out. Pretty simple. The Titans' defensive line is amazing, and their secondary has been pretty banged up this season, Mm -hmm. not been very good. So, Offenses facing the Titans have the highest neutral pass rate in the NFL. So, and that's led to bottom two and against fantasy wide receivers. And it's going to lead to a bunch of points for Jalen Hurts. I'm very curious to see what the Eagles do because they've kind of been run heavy at times. They've been pass heavy at times. Right now, they've been pass heavy. And this would be the matchup you would assume that they would lean into that. And this should be a week to get A.J. Brown inside the top 10. And I think Devonta Smith, like Smith said, uh, could have a, a, a spiked week. Well, let's just make this a full Eagles conversation then because one of my guys this week is is A.J. Brown. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. I know he had the touchdown last week and that really allowed him to, uh, you know, hit home. But just to walk down Narrative Street and remove ourselves from the spreadsheets, okay? <laughs> this is How the revenge you? game, you know? There's a lot of revenge on the slate this I week. mean, sure, he gets traded to a better quarterback, a better team, gets paid a boatload of money. Mm-hmm. but A.J. Brown was this passing offense for multiple seasons and solidified himself as one of the NFL's best back then. However, what we've seen from A.J. Brown recently is that he's been outside of the top 30 scoring wide receivers in three straight weeks. It's very un-A.J. Brown-like. However, when we view, like you guys have been saying, this Titans defense, they've just been overpowering offensive lines because of their fantastic defensive line week in and week out. If there is one team that can match that physicality and that size, it is this Eagles offensive line. And sure, Mm -hmm. this might mean that Jalen Hurts might get suffocated in the pocket a little bit more often and forced to throw there rather than drift right and and drift left. But I'm for that. And if it's A.J. Brown, if it's Devontae Smith, if it's both, Al, I think they still have to overcome that loss of Dallas Goddard, which was a bit of an easy button on their short receptions and the screen receptions. Mm -hmm. And both guys are capable of doing that for sure. They've moved Quez Watkins into a new role as well. Like last week, he's been like a half the snap guy, like a 50% snap guy. Last week, he played like 66 of 80 snaps. So it's not, we always look for the next man up 
just in a linear fashion, right? Well, okay, well, Goddard's out. So which one of these other no-name tight ends that are behind him? Well, they really like this guy and he's kind of a good athlete, but they've just kind of elevated things through more three wide receiver sets and utilizing Quez Watkins a little bit more in his deployment. And if you're going to play the AD, uh, the A game, uh, Dallas Goddard and Devonta Smith kind of been occupying the same parts of the field this year um, to some, some to some degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple more notes here. 86% of the touchdowns allowed by the Titans have come via passing this season. So just mm-hmm. three rushing touchdowns. And we know that, you know, Jalen Hurts, and he might break that, right? But so many of his points this year have been those short yardage rushing scores. 21.4 targets per game to opposing wideouts, the third most in the league. That's what the Titans defense is allowing. Again, I think the root of everything starts with the Eagles offensive line. They have this physical physicality to match up with Jeffrey Simmons and Danico Autry and Bud Dupree. If all those players play this week and um, I think they know, I think AJ Brown knows like playing with one of your best friends and Jalen hurts, you know that he's going to put up one of his best performances of the season and definitely one of his best performances of the last five weeks. That's for sure. So do you buy into the narrative street stuff, Josh? Oh, I do. That's that's his game. (laughs) I mean, narrative street guy. if I have to peel back the curtain here a little bit, Mm -hmm. Al, how boring would this show be? If all (laughs) that we did was look at advanced metrics, target distribution and so on and so forth. We got Peyton's a little, right there. A little, like, I have to pay to my bills too, Josh. Right, a right there. Like he's he's in the call. He can right. hear you. But there's like a human element to this too, you know, Al. I think it is. I think it does matter to some degree, even if you two nerds don't care for the <laughs> Speaking of nerds, I'm going pulling up a spreadsheet. This week we have a game featuring the number one and the number two pass rates against each other. And those mm-hmm. two teams have Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow. Yeah. So I'm going with Joe Burrow here. This is an obvious one. We do have not we do not have to spend too much time here. Jamar Chase, he's been limited in practice. He thinks he's gonna go. He did bring up some type of some reps. So I'm kind of monitoring if he's going to have a full workload or a partial workload either way t higgins has stepped up i i really thought that he played well against a really good titans uh defense last week um and joe joe mixon's been on the injury report still he's limited he's still day to day they have not been able to bank on joe mixon and their game planning so i think they're going to open this up and really pass offense is facing the chiefs makes sense are uh, third highest in neutral pass rates in, in neutral situations. And I think that the Bengals have been playing some good football recently. They've added some tweaks to their offense. So this is a week for uh, double stacks in DFS for Joe Burrow. And I think that Joe Burrow, um, even I have him ranked ahead of some of these other uh, quarterbacks that have been ranked ahead of him, like Justin Fields and those types. I will be playing Joe Burrow ahead of them. Al, what are your thoughts mm-hmm. on Jamar Chase heading into this one? Because like some of his comments, obviously he's missed multiple weeks. We don't love playing you know, individuals in, in that dynamic. Typically it's also one Jamar chase, but saying that we'll see some run, we'll get some run. Do you think that could be like 40% snaps? Do you think that could be 80% snaps? So typically I just don't listen to coaches cause I can't <laughs> trust them. And they're always trying to like, but this is different cause it's coming from him. Cause like even most recently, we just saw this with Hollywood Brown, Hollywood Brown's going to be on a pitch count. He's only going to play 50% of the snaps. Uh, we're going to work him back in slowly. He played 95% of the snaps and led the Cardinals last week in terms of target market share. So I don't know. I think we kind of have to, like, I'm also comfortable saying I don't know. Yeah, what yeah, I do know about Joe Burrow, he's one of my five guys as well, is that in the games that he has played with Jamar Chase, he's averaged 301 passing yards per game versus 265 without. He's averaged 8.77 yards per attempt in games when Jamar Chase played versus 7.6 without. 
Wide receivers matter. And Jamar Chase is definitely an alpha wide receiver who makes a massive difference on how defenses have to guard. And because they have to roll coverage and because of all the attention that Jamar Chase gets, the other weapons just get more open. Imagine trying to guard T. Higgins with your second best cornerback with no safety over the top. It's just a recipe for disaster because Higgins numbers are very similar in games with and without Jamar Chase. So uh, it's really the difference that gets made is everyone else on the field. And that just makes life easier for Joe Burrow. So I fully agree with Hayden that Joe Burrow is like one of just those dudes this week that with Jamar Chase back in this amazing offensive environment against the Chiefs, a game that could have 65 plus real life points. Ooh. I want Joe Burrow. I mean, look, if we're talking about 65 real life points. It could happen. 298 and a half passing yards in the pick and yeah, this. I like this one. Got to hit the higher. That's a higher. Got to. Now, like to your point, Al, mm-hmm. this Bengals offense has really changed, and we've talked about it every single week on the show, mm-hmm. where you know early on, three, four interceptions, deep dropbacks off play action. Instead, they just mm-hmm. want Joe Burrow's eyes to look down the field, to diagnose pre-snap, and then post-snap and get the ball out. What I also saw last week from Joe Burrow was mm-hmm. his willingness to convert on second and long, third downs with his legs and with his feet. Um, that was fantastic. We didn't see that that often last year. And mm-hmm. while this offense crushed the Chiefs defense last year in the playoffs, this is also a different style of, of offense too, where they are more willing to take the easier route. They are more willing to take the consistent route, the stuff that's sticky, and I think that that has proved them well with just T. Higgins, and I say just, and Tyler mm-hmm. Boyd. And now you get a supreme playmaker back in mm-hmm. Jamar Chase that can take the top off one of those easier receptions. But also when you do see that isolated coverage, we know where the eyes immediately drift to, and it's to the sideline. It's over to Jamar. So the point that both of you are making, where if we're having trouble diagnosing and predicting how many snaps chase does play or what that trickle down means to T Higgins. And if that means if those two are out there, the gravity allows more open space to Tyler Boyd, just play Joe Burrow. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, Smith, just for run back options, uh, Juju snaps last week. How much of that do you think was just like some actual we- weird wide receiver rotation we should be expecting versus that was just concussion protocol type of stuff. Are you expecting him just top 20 receiver again? I, 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 I think so. I'm so I'm so fed up with the Chiefs. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so done. Why? <clears throat> mm, they just make me angry in every they're fine until they get in goal to go situations. Then they're like, let's see what we can pull out of it. Like, last yeah, week especially oh last week. They get too damn cute every single week in every goal to go situation. Yeah. Let's play, let's do a windmill underhand softball pass to our fifth tight end. <laughs> What are you doing? Oh, it's fun. It's electric. It's not Hayden, fun. You did uh you did bring a bring back to the show though. Yeah, let's do it. I have Isaiah Pacheco on this list and um I fear that his expected fantasy points, which were like at 25 last week, were just a product of getting stuffed at the goal line, doing all of this windmill stuff uh down there last week <laughs> in, in in garbage time specifically. And I do not think we're gonna have that luxury. The difference this week, though, is Jarek McKinnon's been on the injury report with hamstrings. And it's Ronald Jones and Melvin Gordon. I'm guessing that he's just going to be playing more of the passing situations here. So I moved him way up. I started the week down on him. I'm going to flip that and I'm going to play into it. The Chiefs obviously projected for the most points on this week. What's new there? But the fact that he got a couple of goal line touches last week and yeah, now Jared, we got more than a couple. Yeah. Uh, 
they uh, they happen to be in the fourth quarter, which kind of makes me a little nervous. But uh, nevertheless, the passing down situations I think will go to Isaiah Pacheco. And even if it's not all of them, even if it's just a handful of them, those are so valuable that I view him as like an upside RB2 this week. I think the game that these two teams played last year really does have a lot of relevance here. Not exactly what's going to happen, but from maybe breaking some of the tendencies and priors that those teams, and especially the Chiefs, got in trouble with trying to lean into a bit too much last year. Like, Hayden, whenever the Chiefs played the Bengals last year, we kept saying, hey, why are you abandoning the run? Like, the run was getting them places. Now, Mm -hmm. the Bengals with DJ Reader back is a totally different defense to run against, as we just saw last week, against the Tennessee Titans. Um, This isn't exactly to your point and to your name, Hayden, but the other conversation we had after that Chiefs game uh, against the Bengals in that loss last year was the drop eight against Patrick Mahomes. Like, uh, the athletic football show, Robert Mays, had a great stat on that this week. Uh, Let me find it real quick. It was, I think, Seven of 14 for 33 yards and four sacks Patrick Mahomes took against drop eight coverage last season. So I highly doubt the Bengals are going to do the exact same thing defensively because if they do, obviously the Chiefs are going to be more ready for it or should be this season. But the avenue where they did not spam enough of last year is obviously running the ball with Isaiah Pacheco. But I'm kind of with you, Hayden, where the goal line stuff from last week, I, I think maybe can be attributed to end-of-game scoreboard shenanigans. I hope they pass the ball, and then he just lucks into to two goal-line opportunities. That's yeah. what I'm hoping for. I don't want this to be an Isaiah Pacheco on the ground game. I want I want the 65 points Smith was hitting that. <laughs> All right, I'll go next. Um, I'm going to talk about the other big game of the weekend. Mm-hmm. It's 49ers, Dolphins. 49ers favored by four points at home here. It is Mike McDaniel. Versus Kyle Shanahan. Revenge. Well, I mean, just like two best buddies who create defenses mm-hmm. or offenses unlike anyone else, you know? Mm-hmm. And the 49ers, by the way, go watch Scheme, just posted. Great breakdown of this offense. What I kind of saw from that grouping is Chris McCaffrey opening things up for just about everyone else in this offense and making them different. We know that he's been banged up heading into this game. We know that Eli Mitchell's been out. We know that Debo Samuel hasn't been healthy since making that. Christian McCaffrey trade. So all roads to me now lead to Brandon Ayuk to be like this team's go-to pass catcher. And while I, you know, see so many people out there that rank cornerbacks continuing to promote Xavier Howard as this really good player, uh, he's been roasted by a number of really good wide receivers this season. And from like the top-down approach, not only is, you know, Brandon Ayuk the wide receiver 19 in fantasy points per game this season, he's a number one, if you want to put it that way, wide receiver, I think, for an NFL team out there. And just one difference I've seen for the 49ers passing game this year, 63% of Jimmy's passes in the regular season last year were between the numbers, between the hashes, everything over the middle of the field. That's dropped down to 57%. So we're seeing a bit more outside the numbers ness from this team. And Brandon Ayuk's the one that's been thriving in those situations so far this year. Big week for injury reports. We have uh, Debo Samuel went from limited down to DNP. We'll monitor his injury. Obviously, Brandon Ayuk would be project better if Debo misses. And then obviously the ground game, you remove Elijah Mitchell. It seems like they are going to activate TDP or Tevin Coleman to absorb some of that. And then we'll see if Christian McCaffrey can have his usual workload. But if he can't, then they could have to pass the ball a couple more times this game. So yeah, I'm with you. I think Brandon Ayuk's like always been a boom bust wide receiver too uh, this, this week by, or this year, but I think this week could be an opportunity to pay off in a big way. 
Has he been a boom bust guy? Like he had like a five, six game streak with 80 or more yards uh, receiving, right? Like he's been pretty consistent as a disguised alpha in that offense. Yep. I mean, some reasons for this. Jimmy is second in completion percentage under pressure this year. And the Dolphins, you know, made that move for Bradley Chubb so they could blitz less. So even if they blitz, Jimmy and Kyle know exactly who to fill that spot with. And he's mm-hmm. throwing it quickly to get to that open man with the mismatch. And even again, if he's under duress, we've seen, and I don't know about you, Al, I've pointed out the criticisms of Jimmy in the past. I am loving the experience this year because I think he has really improved in those areas. So I'm I'm, I'm excited to see this one. I think this could be like a... I know he's on the national radar for us in our bubble, but maybe a real coming out party for Brandon Ayuk at a national level too. Yes, I would agree with that. Cool, cool. All right, Al. All right, give us a name. Well, let's stick to uh, let's stick to wide receivers that are not necessarily nationally known as alphas, but might be in their coming out parties. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, the Sun God. Oh yeah, going up. Uh, look, you talked about the two big games right on the weekend: the Chiefs and the Bengals. Uh, I view big games as games that have totals of 50 plus, <laughs> right? That's, that's how I view things as daily fantasy players. Like a, a big game to me is a game that has a total over 50 and this game has a total over 50 and it's a pick em, and it's indoors. And I'm on Ross St. Brown. Uh, I think he's going to have a run in to the finish line this year. Very similarly to what he had last year, 34.9 target percentage over his last four games. They got rid of a uh, Hawkinson. There's very little threat to him getting fed uh, 10 plus targets every single week. Yes, DJ Chark is there, but he's not an alpha. Maybe they get Jamison back on the field or not even back on the field, just on the field uh, this year because I really want to see what the kid has in him. But Jacksonville has not played a lot of alpha receivers this year. If you look at the schedule, you'll notice that they've played a bunch of teams that just have a cast of who the hell is this guy uh, as their wide receiver one. The last two clear alphas that they played, week nine against Devontae Adams, 10 catches, 17 targets, 146, two touchdowns. Week six, Michael Pittman, clearly not having a big year in that Colts offense, right? But 13 catches on 16 targets for 134 yards against this Jacksonville defense. Like Mm. this could be one of those easy spots where eight catches, 125, and a tutty is kind of penciled in for the Sun God this week. Jaguars corner Shaq Griffin. He's been on injured uh, injured reserve. The Jaguars defense. Well, I mean, the Jaguars <laughs> defense has been way worse without him. Yeah. Uh, so it, it it does mean something. I'm with you with the Mon Russell Brown. Sixteen point four expected happy per points in his truly healthy games. Like if you take some of these games away where he's played fourteen snaps or whatever and get those out of there, he's averaging elite wide receiver one numbers. Uh, I'm with Smith here. To your point on Shaq Griffin, I that comment I made, not unfair, true. And I keep going back to the game against Indianapolis Colts where he was just allowing, you know, crossing routes and slants to Michael Pittman over and over and over again. Guess where Amon Ross St. Brown mm-hmm. arrives? Over the middle of the field where this Jaguars defense, because some of their young linebackers, I think Devin Lloyd has basically been benched at times. Like they're rotating him and Chad Muma in there and so on and so forth. Again, this area off deep play action, especially if they can get the running game to work or not, it really doesn't matter. Um, that between the hashes, between the numbers stuff, and let's get, you know, some run after catch opportunities for Amon Ross St. Brown. I'm looking mm-hmm. at the pick and lobby. Al, they agree with you. Over on everything in that game. Okay. Higher on all the pass game options in that game. What, An easy four or think, five. What, what do you think? What would you set the line at? Amon Ross St. Brown. For his, okay, so I just filled out one of these cards on my show that I recorded okay. this morning, uh, and I forget what it was, but I think it was something like 80 or 81. Like, was it was it in that range? And a half. 
Oh my goodness. Yeah, like give me over on the entire passing game. Uh, I got another name for you guys yeah. in this game. Speaking of it, I like uh Christian Kirk here. Yeah, for give me all, over the exact, all the exact same reasons. Uh Jeff Akuda, uh, he's in the concussion protocol. We'll see if he returns this week, but even with him in the lineup, the the Lions are third worst against fantasy wide receivers. Christian Kirk right now is the wide receiver six in usage. This is half PPR usage um, over the last month of the season. Even if Okuda plays, he doesn't travel into the slot, and that's where Christian Kirk does all of his damage. The Jaguars, fourth highest team total on the slate. Fourth. Get him in there. 25 and a half for both teams, I think, right? Love yeah, this. nuts. Is this Love the part this. where where Josh talks about Zay uh, Zay Jones? Yeah, and I have. Like, he's I had waiting, pick- right? He's chomping at the bit. This is a Christian <laughs> Kirk game, Josh. I mean, it, it, I think it's fair. This is the type of show where we can bring up like Hayden did the wide receiver two in the team, and you know we can gloss over the alpha because he's the chalk of the weekend. <laughs> you know? Zay Jones. <laughs> uh, I did want to bring up, and if none of you have played Pick'em, it is such a wonderful game out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just talked about seventy six and a half receiving yards, the higher lower for Amon Ross St. Brown. It's only 55 and a half mm-hmm. receiving yards for Brent Ayuk, which when we just mentioned Chris McCaffrey's uh, injury, Debo Samuel's injury, just four receptions for Ayuk for a game that right now has a total of 46 and a half. Like they're expecting some points in this one. Mm-hmm. Ayuk is important for points. And then, yeah, Christian Kirk at 61 and a half. I don't even, did they have Zay? The disrespect. that They had Zay an hour before when they had the rest of these Oh, come on. No, I, I I like all of these picks. I mean, mm-hmm. what we've seen from the Jaguars and, and Trevor Lawrence, it wasn't just last weekend, right, Hayden? It wasn't. We've talked about it over the last three weeks. And it's not just short attempts. I think it was against the Raiders, maybe it was the Chiefs. They attacked more vertical than they ever had. And Christian Kirk was actually a big part of the reason that they were attacking vertical in those games. The Lions, while feisty and spicy, whatever word you want to use, still suck defensively, you know? Mm-hmm. They're getting better. They're not to the worst team in the league like we saw earlier. Uh, but where the Jaguars are right now, I trust Trevor Lawrence to not give away these awful turnovers and to you know create these chunk gains. And it sounds like Travis Etienne is going to play here. But as we saw, even Christian Kirk can get drawn up in the red zone and inside the 10-yard line. And that's why his expected fantasy points were so high a couple weeks ago. Let's do it. Um, okay, so we're down those two. Why don't we flip on over to the New York Jets? Three-point underdogs on the road against the Minnesota Vikings. And talk about Garrett Wilson here. Um, I'm in. You know? I'm really in. And there's a few reasons why. First of all, I'll bring up my buddy Ben Fennell, who is even more of a tape dog than anyone else in this show. Uh, mentions this with the Vikings. They s- just do not play man coverage. Okay? They play press coverage 30th in the league at that rate. Okay. So what that is going to allow us to do is if the jets offensive line does not create pressure or excuse me, allows zero pressure to Mike white, then he's going to find Garrett Wilson in these open alleys, these open spaces, allow him to win after the catch, which we've seen highlights every single time he was throwing the football this year, he just moves differently. Like I'm so glad we brought up the sun God earlier and how relevant he was at this down the stretch or the ends of last season. I think Garrett Wilson has that potential to be that like in the 2022 end of calendar year for fantasy football. And I think it starts off this week and even last week. Um, and this continues like the stretch of where we can trust him because the scheming, the wide receivers, the cavities that they open up, uh, Garrett Wilson's on, I think another level from everyone else catching passes on this offense. He's been very good. 
yeah, missing Cameron Dantzler, Lewis Seen, Andrew Booth, all of them top 50 overall picks and recent drafts in the secondary for the Vikings. So totally with you. Okay. I guess that's yeah. all we need to say about this. I mm-hmm. mean, what, what are your thoughts, Smez, on Zonovan Knight? Because does he get transported from like running back 24 territory up to like running back 16 just based on what we saw last week and like that's the tiniest sample we can ever have of a player in their debut so i know that daily fantasy players are going to some of them are going to buck at the thought of you know zonovan knight being somewhat chalky this week uh but just look at what happened look at what the jets are telling us with what they did last week apparently james robinson was not it was a healthy scratch he's he's doing the Elijah Moore thing right now. It's like, I, I want to play. I want to be on the field. I was traded to this team. You went out and got me, and now you're not playing me, and I'm fully healthy. So they played Zonovan Knight and gave him, what, 16 opportunities on 30 snaps last week with a healthy James Robinson. So the aren't you worried about crowd is going to come out and say, well, aren't you worried about James Robinson stealing some of his work? No, because they played this kid over him last week, and even before Michael Carter got hurt, he was out touching Michael Carter before Carter left the game. Like, he the pathway to 15 to 20 opportunities in this spot targets plus uh carries seems really clean against a defense that's been exploitable very yeah the zone of the night was playing early in the game Mm -hmm. and james robinson before he was healthy scratch on this show josh we kept saying he doesn't look right he doesn't look right he doesn't look right and that's exactly what we're doing so i'm with you guys i think the zone of the night is like somebody that's locked in for touches this week hopefully mike white could toss him a couple check downs that'd be nice all right, who brought Gus Edwards to the table? That would be me. Um, so with Gus Edwards uh, <laughs> last week, 15.6 expected half PPR points. He did not uh, hit home on them, but he's a positive regression candidate based off of that usage. Uh, J.K. Dobbins still a week away. Kenyon Drake mixed in a little bit, but he dropped a pass. Uh, they're nine and a half uh, point home favorites. The team total is mm-hmm. at 24 and a half which is actually slightly higher than some of the Ravens team totals have been. Uh, Ronnie Stanley has been limited. We'll see if he plays, but even if he isn't out there, I think that they can take advantage of a Broncos defense. That's missing Bradley Chubb, Randy Gregory, and even a depth linebacker this week. Uh, they're the Broncos defense. Historically two high defenses. They 31st and stacked box rate. So in theory, Gus Edwards could have a couple opportunities for fewer men in the box than usual. Uh, and the Broncos are, have been a pass funnel or a run funnel defense because their corner play has been so good. And there's also mm-hmm. their safeties. So I think there's a lot of reasons why to like Gus Edwards. And I historically do not like these Ravens running backs. because I think they get overhyped, but Lamar doesn't throw the ball to him. Lamar seals at the goal line, but I've been impressed with this offensive line and how well this run game has been going this game script. I know Russell Wilson's not going to be putting any pressure on this. So I think you're gonna see a lot of Gus bus in the second half. So in half PPR, I think that he, you can fire him up as an RB two. Al, you brought mm-hmm. a running back too. Yeah, I got a couple of running backs here. Give me and Nick Chubb. Yeah, so so let's go with Nick Chubb because I do a show where I'm not allowed to talk about him anymore. So I do a show where I try <laughs> to pinpoint running backs that are going to be under 5% in daily fantasy, and that's Nick Chubb every single week uh, So I, uh, that have high ceilings. So I'm just not allowed to speak about him, but I can talk about him on this show, and I feel yes. like we should. Josh, we can go so deep into narrative street on this one. <laughs> this can. is the we narrative can. street king game. You can write whatever story you want for this one. Are you shocked that they're only seven point favorites here? 
A little bit. Yeah. Like, but like their team total has gone way, way, way up. I had it earlier. It's like 27 now. Yeah, it's 27. Yeah, which is ridiculous, right? There's seven point favorites. Uh, 27 is their team total up from opening at like 24 and a half. Um, I'm embarrassed for Houston to say this out loud, but they've allowed 168.6 rushing yards per game. Uh, and Derek Henry, who put up like uh, 7,000 yards and seven touchdowns in the game against them earlier this year. Those numbers are close. Don't fact check me, but I'm sure I'm pretty close. Nick Chubb profiles is the same type of big splash, big play running back. Houston is one of the league leaders. I don't have the exact number at this point. Maybe Hayden does uh, at yards allowed before first contact. Houston has been one of the leaders in that, if not the leader in that all season long. All I know is that if you let Nick Chubb, who is one of the best in the league at evading tackles and breaking tackles, get into the second level against you, there is very possibly a 50-yard gain coming from him on the ground. So, like, this could either be, like, 85 yards because the narrative street of Deshaun Watson and they're going to throw for 17 touchdowns with him and his return to, you know, to the NFL in Houston. Or we could take the reasonable approach and say, this is the easiest run defense to attack and this is a run-first team and Nick Chubb is going to absolutely feast. You know what, Al? I I think that... Nick Chubb is going to do so well that mm-hmm. I'm also no, inviting I mean, Kareem Hunt to the party. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Kareem Hunt's been spoken about on a single fancy show since, I don't know, week four of this NFL season. But I'm with you. Like, the Browns haven't blown anyone out this year. I mean, their their largest victory was 12 points, and that was against the Pittsburgh Steelers. No, sorry, they also had to beat the Cincinnati Bengals by uh, 19 later on. But in those games... Because Nick Chubb got his, and the team was dominating so much, Kareem Hunt had 12 carries for 47 yards and three receptions in that first matchup. And against the Bengals, it was 11 carries for 42 yards and four catches for 30. So I really do feel like this is one of those games where it's seven points, I'm shocked that it's so close. 14, 15, 16 points, I think is the more likely outcome than something that's closer to five points like the spread is. Mm-hmm. And... Why not realize that, hey, we've in some ways underutilized Kareem Hunt so far this year because of maybe how they viewed Jacoby Brissett in that offense. And this is kind of a new wing of what the offense can be utilizing both Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, not saying simultaneously, but to the degree that we are hoping for the usage with Hunt heading into the season. I mean, I feel like their pass rate could tick upwards just having a better quarterback than Brissett. Brissett's done very well. Uh, but having Deshaun Watson back, like they should pass the ball a little bit more. But the easiest hire on the board this week is Nick Chubb at 91 and a half yards. He could have that in the first quarter. Mm. In the four oh. wins this year, he's had 22, 23, 23, and 27 carries. Yep. And teams facing the Texans are choosing to run the ball at the highest rate in neutral situations, allowing obviously the worst against fantasy running back. So I'm all over Nick Chubb. I, I the, to me, this this should his rushing uh, higher lower. I think should start with a one one zero eight Easy. something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm with you guys. I hate to do this to you, Josh, but I, I, I've got another Brown that we have to <laughs> what? talk about. Yes. All the Browns. Donovan Peoples Jones is like one of my last names here, just because playing the narrative street, 
Deshaun Watson more likely to throw the ball deep downfield. No Derek Stingley for the Texans on the perimeter. He's actually the wide receiver 29 on wide receiver 33 usage over the last month. He's kind of popped on tape to me sometimes on special teams, but he's so damn fast. This is the type of week where you can get a big play. So if you're looking for flexes, uh, a little bit of a pivot in DFS off of a, a chalky Nick Chubb, I think that you can do worse than to go big play hunting for Donovan Peoples-Jones, who's kind of this like better and uh, best ball type of profile, downfield threat, young player, somebody that may have a couple spiked weeks in a dome environment with a more aggressive uh, quarterback. And I think what you're talking about with Donovan Peoples-Jones, what I'm talking about with Kareem Hunt, and especially with that last name, is if you drafted him and now you're hitting bye weeks or you have like Michael Carter to fill in as you're running back to, like this is the week to play them. You know, like there is no better matchup you're going to have this season. And so why are you keeping these guys on your roster if not for something like this? You know, um, to me, it's an avenue for just a whole bunch of points on the Browns end. And we can start questioning how great the ceiling of this team can be, you know, with Deshaun Watson and so on and so forth moving forward. But it's all, I think, meaningless and irrelevant heading into this game because the Texans are that bad, that bad. Mm-hmm. Nick Chubb week, for sure. For sure. Uh, okay, two more names. Geno Smith for me. So against the Los Angeles Rams, this game just has a total of 40 and a half with Seattle favored on the road by seven points. Couple outs here. One, the Rams defense might just totally suck without Aaron Donald. You know, they've been pretty poor even with him this season. Two, the Rams offense probably is not going to be able to move the ball at all. And so you're going to get advantageous field position. I keep bringing this up, but, and this is credit obviously to Rich Rebar, 42% of Seattle's drives this season have either reached the red zone or scored prior to that. That trails only the Chiefs and the Bills. Okay. So we saw it last week where Geno Smith throws an interceptions, makes some bad plays, so on and so forth. He now has thrown multiple passing touchdowns in five straight games and in nine of 11 games this season. So been very good. when a team is really laying on their back and trying to get to next season with whatever, you know, players might be coming back and how they can improve despite having zero draft picks, the Seattle Seahawks are on a charge to make the playoffs and to continue to make some noise. And I think that this is one of those games that they can really go in there. We know the Rams, you know this, Al. No one's going to show up to that game with Rams fans. No. It's going to be covered in Seattle Seahawks fans, too. So I'm excited They're to Seattle have Seahawks fans? Yes, they're all... The Outside of Seattle? Is a flag. In Seattle, they exist. Apparently I didn't know that a, they're a national brand. They're just up in one corner. Of 12 of them. <laughs> they raised the flag. I guess my overarching point is, I mean, I could have easily made something for DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett for Kenneth Walker in this mm-hmm. game. But why not just do the root of it? And it's Geno Smith. Yeah. He's been really good. Like 20, 20 fantasy points uh, per game on the year. Nobody expected that out of Geno. Yeah. yeah, he's been balling. Uh, I, I'm with you. Uh, DK Metcalf was somebody I was thinking about uh, adding just because he's a positive regression candidate. Uh, he's only scored four four touchdowns this year. My model thinks he should have scored at least six of them. And we know if you're going to guess what side of the model DK Metcalf's going to be on, he'd be on the positive end of this thing. So I think this could be a week where you can get two touchdowns from DK Metcalf. Uh, Jalen Ramsey has not been the mm-hmm. same this year. Nope, not at all. Okay, Al, close us out with the running back. And uh, it's just the running back one this season. That's it. Yeah, just Josh Jacobs. You know, he's good. Uh, so I have all these stats and stuff, but like, and I've you've heard me rattle them off for all the different players. Like, I literally just wrote down he's good on my little yellow card that I used for uh, the underdog show today. There's a lot of things that you can like here. Uh, if it's not a structural injury to the calf and they're they're dealing with it the way that they do, there's 
plenty of great drugs at the NFL level to make him not feel any pain come Sunday. Uh, just like they utilized last week and to let him get through that with 40 freaking opportunities, which is absolutely ridiculous to give to a guy that just popped with a calf injury on Friday. But he's got one of the best matchups at uh, running back too in terms of defense versus position. 5.6 yards per carry allowed. 133.2 rush yards per game, second most in the league, and a touchdown on 3.8% of carries against. And over the last five games, 10, 17, 21, 24, and 33 carries for Josh Jacobs. Chargers right now, uh, over that same time frame, missing Joey Bosa, Austin Jackson, uh, Austin Johnson, who's their like defensive tackle, offseason mm-hmm. acquisition. Christian Covington's on the injury uh, or on, on injured reserve, and then even their backup to them, uh, another defensive tackle on injured reserve. So all, all the Brandon Staley offseason acquisitions outside of Khalil uh, Khalil Mack right now are hurt, including J.C. Jackson. So yeah, Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, feed me. Yeah. I mean, how sharp are we on a show? We bring up the uh, two running backs with, you know, 121 and a half higher lowers. And hey, then... but there's DFS out there. We can talk about the big boys, too. We have to make yeah. decisions at the top. No, I'm I'm, I'm just joking. Um, did you have any exposure to Josh, to Josh Jacobs setting in this season now? I had some. Like, he was my... F- okay, so of the dead zone running backs, he was yeah. the one that I said, you know what? He's the one I can stomach the most because... Even though I also was drafting Zamir White in the 18th rounds when there was nothing left as like an RB6, like Same. in case, because, you know, they didn't sign him to an extension. They may let him walk. New coaching staff, new regime, not married to him. Who was going to take carries from like Amir Abdullah? No. Uh, Bolden? No. Zamir White? Only in the case that he's gone. So like there was this argument that he could see a lot of volume this year and that's kind of panned out, but I don't have enough to make it make a difference. All right. That's going to do it for us. Al? You're a content mm-hmm. machine over there on the West Coast. You want to tell the people mm-hmm. how they can find your work. You can go to smizzle.tv slash links to find everything all in one spot. All my social links. Uh, I've got five different YouTube channels here on YouTube, and I stream six days a week over on Twitch. So go to smizzle.tv slash links uh, if you wanted to uh, tune into any of it. Yep, there are 30 hours a day in uh, Smizz's world. Yes, he maximizes them. All right, <laughs> that's going to do it for us. We're going to be back here on Sunday morning for our start sit show, 1030 Eastern Sharp. Be there. Lots of stuff to go over. Dive into some, some more of these matchups because we didn't even get to talk about the Miami offense against the 49ers defense. We didn't get to talk about Caleb Williams tonight, five o'clock oh against Let's Utah. <laughs> All right, go and watch Scheme, everyone. It was a great episode uh, breaking down the 49ers offense. Appreciate it. Go check out Al's work and we will talk to y'all soon. Up the villa. See ya. (laughs) 